up on this lawn and you'll get your next spawn. Only shit bigger than my gun is my stuff and my boy. You've all seen them around, you've all dealt with them, you've all thought they were pieces of shit. But let me tell you, as a content creator, no one comes into contact with them more. We're talking about the worst kind of fan, the entitled fan. If there's one type of person who I have the most difficulty dealing with, who drives me up the wall the farthest, far more than haters or people who just don't give a shit, is the people who give a shit way more than they should. And when I say that, I don't mean that it's not okay to give as much of a shit as possible. However, there is a point at which you have to ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing with my time? Why am I giving a shit so much about something that I seem to have such a poor relationship with? Let me get into this. Look, once upon a time, I read the first volume of Shield Hero, and I liked it a lot. The manga I'm talking about. I, I read it. I liked it. I thought it was good. I talked about the fact that it was good in videos. I maintained the feeling in my mind that it was something I cared about. And when it got an anime adaptation, I was excited for it. I thought the first couple episodes were pretty good. I was ready to watch this whole show, talk about it week by week with best guy ever, and have a good time with it. Well, as the episodes went on, it kinda wasn't very good. And for a little while, I was clinging on to hope because it's like, man, I've thought of this as something I liked for so long. Hopefully it gets better. And I mean, maybe the manga holds up. Maybe the light novels are good. But this anime sucks. And when it got to a point where, for me, the conversations that I'm having with Nate aren't really interesting or new enough to continue justify having them every single week when both of us are busy with other things. We'd really rather not be watching this show because it kind of sucks. It's not really that interesting of a conversation to have with the fans. You know, the view counts aren't amazing, so it's not like we're going to do it just for the views. At some point, you just got to cut your losses and say, fuck it, this thing sucks, I'm not going to watch it anymore. That makes perfect sense to me. That's the way I handle everything. As soon as it's not good to me anymore, I just let it go. Because that staying on it, staying with something you don't like anymore, is a waste of your fucking time. You could be watching something you would like. You could be deriving some intellectual content from something. You could be, you know, watching something that makes you feel better about yourself or tells you something new about yourself or the world around you. Instead, you are choosing out of some strange sense of obligation to your former self who liked the thing to continue indulging it even though you don't like it anymore. I don't know if you're hoping that it will come back to you, that it will become the thing you want it to be. Probably you don't even know what you want it to be. I mean, ultimately, you've probably just grown out of it. Or maybe you've already gotten everything that you would have gotten out of it and there's nothing left for you to gain. This could be the case anytime. You never know. you got to really look inside yourself to answer these kinds of questions. But there are so many people in this world who just insist on clinging to the identity of being someone who consumes this thing. And they just keep doing it forever and bitching about it. Just eternally watching it and bitching about it. Watching it so they can bitch about it. And 
maybe you can derive something from that. Maybe you're enjoying it. If it's all just for fun, I could understand that. Maybe if it's for fun and profit. Maybe if it's because making fun of it is legitimately worth the cost of admission for you. I could say that about, say, uh, you know, who are these podcasts listening to Opie Radio? Opie Radio is an abysmal podcast, and the whole point of listening to it for Carl is that he can rip on it. But it's worth it because, first of all, it's a very popular segment on his show, and second of all, he enjoys doing it. But most importantly... He's not sending the show to Opie. He's not even leaving negative reviews of Opie's shows on iTunes. He's even said himself, like, I don't believe in doing anything that could possibly hurt the show in question that I'm attacking. You know, I I do a video or a, a podcast where I make fun of the show on my own platform and I leave them alone. And that's the way I've always done things. I mean, in my case, I'm mostly attacking Japanese media where the people who are, you know, who create the stuff probably can't even understand my analysis videos. I certainly don't expect them to end up watching them. I'm mostly covering media that's a lot bigger than myself. And sure, sometimes I talk about smaller stuff. I talk about internet content creators and shit like that. I don't go and send them the video or at them on Twitter or anything. Sometimes their fans will do that or my fans will do that. I think that's fucking annoying and I wouldn't encourage those people to watch videos being made about them because you know what? They don't need to hear any criticism because chances are if I'm talking about someone, it's because they are successful. The reason that I'm shitting on them is that they are successful, but I feel differently about the thing that they do. And it's not that I'm mad at them for making something bad. I'm mad at the people who like them for liking something bad. That's the main mode of thinking behind most of my criticism. Like when I ripped on Sword Art Online, I no ill will towards Reki Kawahara. He wrote a book that's not for me. It's not something I ever should read or should see the anime of. But I want to encourage other people to think about it the way that I do so that maybe they won't encourage this kind of work to be created. Because ultimately, the only way that this work gets seen is if enough people think it's good and continue watching it. For me to go and critique Reki Kawahara to his face would be utterly daft because the man is making way more money than I am, seeing way more success and has way more fans. Whatever he's doing is working for him. It is a good idea for him to do what he's doing. The best I can do is try to fight the tide of what everyone thinks is good. And that is, to me, a laughable measure. My videos are all intended to be comedic 100% of the time because I don't take anything seriously. And a lot of people do not get that. I think that's one of the hardest things for people to grasp about my content because I don't signpost it. I'm not being funny. I'm not cracking jokes. I'm not being a a silly character most of the time. Sometimes I am because I really think that if I don't signpost it, people will really get the wrong idea. 
So that's why it tends to be the edgier content that I make that is under the, you know, the name Artso Fartso. That is under the umbrella of, hey, look, this is a wacky character saying this stuff. Do you understand that you shouldn't take it seriously because you shouldn't take anything I say seriously? It doesn't matter that I'm speaking in an intense and emphatic voice because that's just what makes the content good. Do you understand? And it's not that it's fake because there's nothing fake about it. I just am a nihilistic person who doesn't believe in taking things seriously. It's just the way I think. None of it fucking matters. That is core to my videos. It's why I can say things that contradict each other. Because it doesn't matter. It's all just ideas. It's all just, here's a thought. Here's a a way that this could be interpreted. Here's a way that you could think about things. I could argue any side of any issue that I've ever proposed. I could give you the opposite analytical perspective of one that I've written. I've just written the one that's the most interesting to me, the one that resonates with me personally, regardless of if I even think it's correct. And anybody could disagree with me and write something equally compelling that just highlights all the other things from what I did. Someone could write a video about uh, the point of SSSS Gridman and talk about why the show is great because it has all these themes and all these, uh, you know, interesting ways that the script was formatted. And yet all of that shit, I can acknowledge why someone thinks that stuff's good, but I don't care about it, and the stuff I do care about, I think is bad about the show, so I don't like it. I'm not covering it from the, you know, holistic angle of every single possible take anybody could have, because that could go on forever. You stop the buck somewhere, you draw a line in the sand, you say, here's my interpretation, here's what I'm publishing. So, to take any of that seriously is to completely miss the point. It means you don't understand the content. It means that you don't really get what I'm trying to do. And there are a lot of people, a lot of people, who consume and enjoy my content while having no fucking idea what I'm trying to do. And why would they? Well, I mean, they, they don't need to care. It, they don't need to know what I'm trying to do. I'm not, you know... I'm not holding it against anyone that they don't get what they're enjoying. I might make fun of it sometimes. Like, for instance, I often get comments to the effect of, I love your videos. They're so objective. And I'm like, okay, buddy, you know, I'm the guy who wrote the video, objectively good doesn't fucking exist. So, you know, clearly I'm not trying to be objective in my analysis, but if that's what somebody sees it as and what they get out of it, you know, I can't stop them and I'm happy that they're enjoying it and that they're getting something out of it. But what drives me fucking insane is when those people will turn around and later down the line, when they think my videos aren't as objective as they used to be, say things like, oh, you used to write such great objective analysis, and now everything you write is a lot more subjective, and I don't like it anymore. And I go, hey, dummy, it was never supposed to be objective. You just interpreted it weirdly. You just didn't get what I was trying to do. And it's fine that you enjoyed it back then, but I'm not going to regress to the standard of what you thought I was supposedly doing just because you interpreted it that way. If you don't like it anymore, move on. It's not for you. And you may think that 
there has been some shift in the way I'm doing things, but the real shift is in the way that you're understanding things. And it could just be that I'm being more clear than I was before. It could be that my intentions are more obvious. And when it comes to my content, I can definitely say that's the case. I've just gotten way more honest over time. And it's funny because people have always perceived me as being exceptionally honest, but I've actually been really veiled with my emotions for a lot of the early part of my career. I really didn't let too much of my freak flag fly. I didn't let too much of my, you know, my real thoughts, my inner monologue through because I wanted to be appealing. I wanted to be more mass marketable. I wanted to seem like more reasonable, more, uh, I don't know, fair in the things that I say. You know, I don't want to come off as somebody who is just outrageously opinionated all the time. And even when I do allow myself to be portrayed that way, I'm selective about what subjects I will let it happen with. If I say something really extreme, it might make you think, wow, Digibro's really showing his true colors, but man, that's just one of those true colors. Who knows how many true colors there are that I could show that you haven't even seen yet. At this point, I think I'm showing a lot of them. I think I'm showing most of my true colors here at the Rainbow Ranch. But I just think that most people... Most fans are not going to have the full picture. They're not going to really understand my intentions. They're not really getting it. And so when they turn around and try to coach me or try to give me advice or tell me how my career has gone, tell me the way that I've changed or the way things are going, as if they would know anything about me that I don't know, that shit is disgusting to me. That is absolutely repulsive to me. Because you are not me. Why the fuck would you think you have more perspective on me than I do when all you see of me is this tiny fucking fraction of my thoughts that get posted to video on the internet? I might post a video every single day. And still, it would be a tiny fraction of my thoughts. I made a video about this once, about how much you see of, for instance, Casey Neistat's day. He posts a vlog every single day. He captures moments from all throughout the day. But ultimately, they're only 10 minutes of his day. 24-hour day, 60 minutes an hour, you see 10 minutes of that. What's a... I don't even know what 24 times 6 is, but you're seeing one out of that from his day. Obviously, you don't know that much about Casey Neistat. You don't know much about what his life is. You only know what he's chosen to show you. So for you to try to make judgments about his life or his intentions or what he's doing with his career on the basis of that would be utterly insane. You don't know shit about what he's thinking. And likewise, you don't know shit about what I'm thinking unless I tell you. And sometimes I like to come to the internet for their answers. And when that's the case, obviously it's fine. If I'm literally asking you, what do you think of my content? How do you think it's gone? What is your perspective on it? It means I'm trying to gather data. I want to know how you feel. But what's unhelpful to me is when you try to tell me the way that I have been, the way that I've been approaching things, as if I don't know. As if everything I do isn't some kind of calculated idea that I've thought through beyond what I've stated. 
Because that's always the case. There's always more to it. There's always more layers. There's always more going on than what is revealed because there has to be. That's the only way you can create things like this. There is always a lot going on. And a lot of people, they think they get it because of what little part they do grasp while missing a huge piece of the picture that they don't grasp. For instance, if you are, say, a media critic like myself, chances are you know less about writing than a writer does. No matter how much you know about writing, it is unlikely that you know as much as a great writer. Because a great writer has had to solve way more riddles than you've even realized existed. You can pick out broad things. You can pick out stuff that's applicable to many different pieces of work. You can pick out stuff that maybe you've had to deal with or that you've read about other people dealing with. You can be very well read on the subject. You can know enough to say something very interesting, maybe even that would resonate with that creator. But you will never be able to get all of the shit that had to go through their head when they were writing because that's just such a huge process. There's so much that goes into it and that's why they are able to do it well. That's why they can do it. That's what makes them different from you is that they have to make all those considerations. You don't. If you did, you would be as good as them. But you probably aren't. It's not to say there's no critics who are you know, not better than writers. I mean, there's plenty of critics who are amazing writers. There's plenty of critics whose criticism is better than most writing. Any of my favorite YouTubers, I would put above a light novel author, obviously. But that doesn't mean that they know every, you know, that they know absolutely everything about writing. There are plenty of critics who, I think really any great critic worth their salt when in the face of a true masterpiece is going to say, this is above me. This is beyond me. I am just trying to grasp as much out of this as I can to relay it back to you. I have a lot of perspective. I have more than the average person. And I am going to take that perspective, apply it to this work, and try to help those average people to understand it even better than they do. But even I am scratching the surface of what must have really gone through the head of this person because it is just beyond me. They are genius. They are on another level where they can't even communicate the things because it's too complicated. They can't boil it down enough to explain it to you. They don't know how to take the gigantic web of connections that they've made in their mind, many of which probably go beyond language. Many of these connections are not something that they've sat around and tried to explain. Their brain has just put the things together because it's operating at a higher level of, uh, just a higher level of thought than you are. They're just thinking faster and and jumping over steps in the algorithms of how they calculate what they're doing. And you are trying to reverse engineer it and try to understand it by walking back through the steps and figuring out the trail that they went down. And you can figure out parts of it, but if you could do the whole code, you would be them. You would be able to make that kind of thing, and you probably wouldn't be a critic. This is why rarely do critics really venture into other art forms And even when they do, it's never as good as the people who they think are the best because nobody is. The people who are the best are the best for a reason. What got me onto all of this is this fucking soy boy Psy who I made a rant about because I was paid to do it. 
I was pretty nice. I tried not to be mean to the guy, even though I think he's kind of a prick, even though he is one of these people I'm describing, a person who thinks that because they've been a fan of me for a long time, they are somehow entitled to be able to critique me and talk about me to my face to tell me how I was, you know, how I've strayed from my own intentions, to tell me how you know, how my career has evolved in a negative way because that's how he thinks it's evolved. As if his fucking opinion matters in any way. As if I would have any reason to consider his perspective when he has has nothing to do with the things that I create. This guy was a fan, and I appreciate that. I appreciate having fans. If you're a fan, cool, man. If you don't like the content anymore, stop watching it. Do yourself a fucking favor and go. Because if you stick around to bitch and whine about how you don't like the way things are going, when you're surrounded by people who do, when there's plenty of people who are getting something out of it, when, you know, clearly, if I was in a bad spot, you would know. If I was in a situation where I felt that my career was taking a nosedive, then I would be making that very clear and trying to do something about it. I'm not in that position. My main channel's view counts are in a nosedive. There's a lot of good reasons for it. Most of them are my fault. I know what they are. A lot of people hear me talking about the algorithm and how I'm not successful in the algorithm and think I'm blaming YouTube. I'm not. That was not my fucking intention at all. And if you thought so, you need better listening comprehension. Because my point is that I have fucked up my placement in the algorithm. I thought I made that clear by stating the fact that I haven't made the type of content that would have kept me in the algorithm. I went off and made Steins Gate videos for a month that not enough people cared about. And then I made Log Horizon videos for a month that not enough people cared about because I was too busy trying to make the fucking I Am Games channel work. And also my, you know, my personal life was not in the best spot because I was trying to get out of my house in Boston because I didn't like living there and I wasn't really trying to jump into any kind of major projects where I was going to have to build sets and do all kinds of crazy shit because I wanted to get out of there. So I'm just trying to kind of bide my time and work on experimental shit while throwing stuff on the main channel just to see, you know, just to keep myself afloat basically. And, you know, like, I know why things have gone wrong. The fact that I'm dead in the algorithm is not me blaming the algorithm. It's me just stating the fact that my channel is dead in the algorithm. I can fix it if I so choose. It won't be easy, but it's something I can do. And I don't know how badly I need to do it. I I want to grow the channel back up from where it is. But it doesn't necessarily have to be the way that it was before. Because I'm making more money than I ever was before. Not only through Patreon, but even through ad revenue. Where my ad revenue has been more consistent since doing more videos as opposed to fewer, you know, fewer that get more views. Having more that get fewer views, but and a significant amount more. And if I can take that more and put it on the main channel where they get even more views than before, but still as frequent... You see how this can work out to even more ad revenue. Anyway, 
I'm not going to sit here and explain all the logic behind everything I do. The main reason I make announcement videos is just to let people know that I'm doing something so that they can follow what's happening. So that when the content shifts in some way, they're not blindsided by it. I want to give you some of the logic. But I'm not fucking mapping out every single consideration that I'm making and why I'm doing things the way I'm doing. There's a lot of fucking thought put into it. If I was breaking down all the thought, you would be inside my head. You would just be me. You would be able to manage this fucking career. But I'm doing it on the basis of constant thinking, constant decision making, constant working through what do I think is going to pave the way forward. And I'm not saying that I'm such a genius that all my plans pan out all the time. The I Am Games channel was a lot of ideas that did not quite pan out because for the most part, I fucked up the execution on them and I just didn't do the things like there were things I knew made sense and didn't do and things I knew didn't make sense and did anyways. And then went, well, I guess it wasn't in me to do things right. I guess I shouldn't have expected myself to make the decisions that would grow this channel the way that it should have grown. I guess I should have remembered that I'm a psycho and that I will not take the path that makes the most sense because that's just not the way that I am. But it's not because I didn't know the path that would make the most sense. I just didn't do it. And that's where this all gets to me. It's like everybody's always suggesting what they think I should be doing. And it's always shit I thought about. It's always shit I already know because of course I do. There can't be a possibility I don't account for. This is my job. My job is to account for all the possibilities. My job is to have considered the thing that you're saying and to have come to a decision based not on what will make me the most successful, but what will make me the most successful within the paradigm of doing what I want to do because that's the only reason to do this job. The only reason. There is no other reason to work on YouTube other than getting to do what you want. If I wanted to do what was obvious and made sense and made you money, I would get a regular job. It's way easier. The grounds are laid out for you. The boss just tells you what to do. You just do what you're fucking told. The fact that people fuck that up is evidence that most people are just retarded. I don't understand how anyone can be bad at a normal job. If you're bad at a normal job, go back to school. Or just fucking stop. Just stop living. It's not worth it. You're not gonna make it if you can't even do a normal fucking job. But my job's not a normal fucking job. There's a way to do it that is a more normal way. There's a way that other people will tell you, oh, you're, you're a YouTuber? Well, you've got to put out a video every day. You've got to have a SEO manager telling you exactly what shows you should cover. You should uh, make sure you have an agreeable opinion. You know, don't swear more than five times in a video because then you'll get demonetized, blah, 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 blah. That route is no different from a normal job. And if you're doing it, I really don't understand why you're on this platform. The point of this for me is to figure out, can I be successful doing nothing right? Can I be successful doing everything my own way and saying fuck you to the entire established order of things? Because that is what a hero does. That is what an otaku hero does. 
That is what we celebrate in the anime that we watch. That's what we want our main characters to do. That is what we want to see someone doing because it is powerful and empowering. It tells us we can be ourselves. We don't have to kill ourselves on the inside in order to fit into society. We don't have to koto. We don't have to cut our fucking hair. We don't have to trim our fucking beards. We don't have to make SEO fucking content. We can do what we want and we can find a way to make it work by being good. By being something that people want to see. And that's the appeal of Digibro. That is the core of it. That is the point. If you're a fan and you think that the best way forward is for me to do what you think I should do, you are not a fan. Fuck you. You do not understand what this is about. And if you feel that way, then honestly, fuck off. Now, if you just don't like the content, great. If you're like, hey, man, you do you. I'm just not feeling this stuff. Cool, man. You don't got to watch it. Nobody has to watch it. I, I, I have nothing but respect. I'm not going to feel bad that you left. I'm not going to be like brokenhearted that I lost a fan, like, I, I become not a fan of things constantly. I am constantly looking back on things I used to like and going, wow, that sucks now. I guess I'll never watch it again because it sucks. That's normal. That's how you should react. So when someone like this is out here trying to tell me how I should do my job, all the reasons that my content's gone downhill, even though I'm enjoying myself, I love the content, I'm proud of the things I'm making, I'm living up to my own intentions, I'm living a life that is happy and fulfilling, I'm doing things that I like to do, and I'm making the most money I've ever made doing it, if you think that your suggestion is going to outweigh my own personal ideas of what I should do, you're insane. If you, who lives a miserable life as someone who has tried to be a content creator for years and completely fucking failed to make a career out of it, if you seriously think I'm going to listen to you over me, who is happy and successful, you're insane. Absolutely insane. Now, am I saying I'm beyond criticism? Of course not. I think a lot of the criticism I get even affects me. I do take it into account. I change things on the basis of things people say. Because sometimes people have really interesting insight. It's not that I don't want to hear it ever. I do. I'm interested to know the different ways that people think I could change things. And especially when it's direct, concise, thought-out advice from someone who gets it. You want the perfect example of that? My Manga Mondays compilation video. I released it as 48 manga reviews and recommendations. And there was a comment that said, you should change the, chi- the title to 8 hours of manga reviews and recommendations because 48 isn't that impressive of a number. And I went, you're exactly correct. And I changed the title. That's a criticism. A constructive criticism, one that I immediately took into account and acted on. Guy was right. His idea for a title was better. I'm not that confident in my title and thumbnail game. 
because I get shit on for it all the time. And my videos, when I, I, I've told people a billion times, title and thumbnail is all that matters, but I'm not good at coming up with good titles and thumbnails. And it's because it's hard for me to look at my work from the outside. It's easy for me to understand my intentions and what I'm getting out of it. It's hard for me to understand what the audience is getting out of it. That's why I made the Why Are You Here video. It was about asking you, what are you getting out of it so I can see things from your angle and know, know why, you know, what your expectations are, what you're hoping to get out of this so that I can, you know, not, not so I can just make things that you'll like, but so that I can better understand how to reach you, how to title my videos and structure my videos in a way that they'll resonate with you better than they will with me. Because sometimes all it takes is a few little changes. Sometimes all it takes is a little narrative element. All it takes is a little bit better. Sometimes all it takes is just explaining my intentions. I think that one of the biggest problems with the GameCube videos so far is that I never started off the series by just talking about my personal history with the GameCube. And it's because I tend to not like that from other people's videos. I don't like having to go into someone's whole personal history with something, their whole, like, how they got into it, their initial impressions, all that shit. Because I don't care that much. I, I just want to hear... Because I'll listen to people analyze anything. I don't need there to be a reason. I don't need there to be a reason that we're looking back at this thing. And some of the comments on my GameCube videos that do stick with me are things like people saying, like, why... I don't understand why you would buy, why you think anyone would care about these old games. You know, like this game is 15 years old. Um, it's not relevant to today. So why do you care? That's not something I've ever thought about as a reason to watch a video. I mean, classic YouTube, AVGN, you know, was about NES games that were older than I was. Games that I've never heard of and never played. I watch them because I like AVGN. I like the way he writes. And it's interesting to learn about history. It's interesting to learn about old games. Why they were made the way they were. How do they hold up today? Are they still worth playing? I like getting the answers to those questions. So I make these GameCube videos. But other people see it and they just go, why the fuck are you talking about the GameCube? I don't get it. So maybe if I had started off by being like, you know, hey everybody... GameCube's my favorite console. It was really important to me as a kid. It's unique in this, this, and this ways. I used to get into playground fights with kids about how the fucking GameCube was better than the PS2, blah, blah, blah. It might have given a little bit more, you know, people wouldn't be, at the very least, people wouldn't be asking me why the GameCube. They would know why. Whether they thought that was a good enough reason for them to watch the videos or not is a different story. But I wouldn't be getting asked that question, which I think is a pertinent question. And it's really fucking hilarious and ironic to me that Psy, one of the things he was criticizing about me was that my writing hadn't improved since, uh, well, first he had said since um, fucking, uh, what's the video called? Why, no, uh, fucking, we have accepted mediocrity, which is not even a scripted video. It's not even written. Um, it's just a rant. And I don't think it's that well-spoken of a rant. Like, I think these podcasts are better spoken pieces than that is because it was just kind of a directionless tirade and there's a bunch of parts I would cut from it. But the thing is that Davu did such a good job editing it that it feels good and it's fun to watch all the way through. So then he said, well, in that case, then the last thing you wrote that was great was the Makoto Shinkai video. And I think I am 
not even really that proud of that video. I thought the writing was the worst part of it because it lacked a narrative structure. And the way I wrote it, the way I went about doing it was that I watched each movie and then analyzed it and then went to the next movie, even though a lot of what I was trying to do was to bring up recurring themes throughout his movies while also discussing them. The problem is I didn't have an overarching concept other than the idea of him as a genius hack filmmaker. But, you know, what I should have done was watch all of the movies, then watch them again and commentate on them. And I'll admit, I didn't do that because I'm lazy, as is often the case with my videos. Uh, You know, they could always be better if I just put a little more work into them, but there is diminishing returns. The video took a month to fucking make, so, you know, any longer and it would have been a bigger problem for my career. But, you know, I released the video... Uh, when it came out, Econ, he, he had a spot-on criticism that he was just like, yeah, this thing lacks any real central thesis and it kind of gets boring and there's a lot of errant points that aren't important. And I was like, that's exactly true. And I took that into consideration when I made the great anime director who time forgot, which is my favorite video that I've written that is structured perfectly. It perfectly goes between why am I talking about this? How did I find out about it? What makes it interesting? Now let's get into the history. Now let's talk about the whole history surrounding that so you have a lot of context. And then we'll talk about each individual movie and we won't go into any unnecessary detail. It's just here's the cliff notes of what's interesting about these films and that rounds out the video. Very fucking well done. And I'm very fucking proud of it. Now, since then, a lot of my writing hasn't necessarily been as good because I haven't necessarily been trying to make my writing better in a linear, technical way. What I've been trying to do is to think about my writing differently. What I've been trying to do, for instance, is to, for one thing, write better for screen, to think about how the writing will sound on video. A problem I have with a lot of my scripts is that they really, they don't sound good. Like, they are good scripts, and the reason people like them is that they might, you know, get enough out of it, they might get enough out of just the analytical points to find it enjoyable, but there's always parts that go over people's heads that they don't even think about. There's always parts where just the language I choose is so convoluted or so, you know, it, it sounds good on paper, but you're, you really need to be able to read the sentence through more than once, and you can't do that in a scripted video. You can't, like, sit and pause on each sentence and really think about it the way you can in writing because writing can be way more dense because you can you control the pacing yourself as a reader you can't do that in a video and so a lot of my videos have pacing issues where the writing is too dense for the video and i personally am always just trying to make my writing more dense that's what i get the most out of i love to write densely however Again, it's not good for video. So I've been trying to reverse engineer it and figure out how can I expand it outwards so that I say a little bit more and, you know, make myself clearer and have a more engaging experience for a listener where they're following me every step of the way instead of sort of blinking in and out on different points, you know? And also a lot of my writing is very checklisty. It's like I just took my notes and translated it into paragraphs and, you know, it doesn't have the 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 good flow that you would want out of a, a very complete piece. So, yeah, I've been trying to change different elements of my writing and I'm also trying to just get better at brain to mouth because 
I consider, as I've said many times, for speaking to just be writing in fast motion. It's no different from the way I write. I write very fast. None of my scripts I've ever written have taken more than a day or two, unless they're hours long, in which case it's just the literal physical time it takes to write that many words. It's not that I spent more time per minute of video on them. It's just that they're long, and so it takes a while. But, like, I write obscenely fast, It's not that different from me speaking. And because I've practiced speaking so much, I've gotten to where my speaking is almost as good as my writing. So I'd like to pump it up even more. I'd like to get even better at speaking as good as writing. So maybe the unscripted stuff isn't going to be as tight and as good as the scripted stuff. But of course it wouldn't be. Because I'm not trying to be as good. I'm trying to get as good. I'm trying to reach something higher than what I've currently achieved. I'm always trying to do different things. I'm always looking at different avenues. When I started working on I Am Games, it was out of an epiphany of how to write about games, of getting better at being able to describe what makes a game interesting. And that's why I'm so proud of these GameCube videos, because I think they're as good as my anime analysis, but they're about video games. And previously, I couldn't write about video games as well as I could about anime. This is a huge leap forward for me. It means that I think my gaming content is as good as my anime content. That's really exciting. It means I can branch out and cover more things without losing some of the quality of what I'm doing. There's a billion considerations like this being made all the time. Every video is bred from some kind of purpose. Not always is the purpose something that is even going to make the video good. Sometimes it's a purpose as simple as, I thought I needed this kind of video to come out next so that it would make sense in the progression of the videos I'm releasing. You know, like, oh, uh, I just need to throw something together tonight that will be about this subject because I need that as a stopgap between these two videos so this will exist. And I make it as good as I can. And it might not be the best video, but not every video's intention is to be the best video. And then the best video might come along later. And not every video should have the intention of being the best. Because not every idea is the best idea, and you can't just always be having the best idea. As Davu said once, analysis is not a hose. There's a reason that you don't get fucking... Uh, Mr. Plinkett reviews all the time. It's not because they take forever to make. It's because they're only made when the subject matter is relevant. It's only when he has a movie that's worth doing a Plinkett review about. Not every movie is worth talking about in that much detail. So, you know, focus on the ones that are. I'm not going to do a full-length analysis video every single month If I don't have a subject matter to cover, I might reach into my bag of hats and pull out something like Utena. Like, Utena was literally a case of me saying, you know what? I haven't done a long-form anime analysis in a while. It's about that time. Let me reach into the old bag of tricks, aka shows I haven't written about yet, but I know I can, um, and pull one out, whichever, whichever one people want the most. Let me go on my my fucking Discord, I literally at everyone on my Discord and said, what anime do you want me to talk about? And the two answers were Monogatari and Utena. And I went, well, Monogatari will get the clicks, but Utena will please my audience. So let's go with Utena. It'll be more interesting and it won't take as long anyways. So made an Utena video. Fans are pleased. Not a lot of people watching it, but that wasn't the point. 
the point was to do a long-form analysis video, and it was good. Everybody likes it. And then you got Sai over here saying that I need to do more analysis videos because he's not even watching. He's not even paying attention. He's offering critique from the sidelines as somebody who admittedly hasn't been keeping up with the content and doesn't understand it and then wonders why I treat him like an asshole. See, what spawned this particular ire is that I made my rant about Sai, and in Sai's response... He was being snide and shitty. He was making it clear that he's not really, you know, he doesn't think I'm good anymore. He's pretty much saying like, yeah, your content kind of sucks, so I'm not keeping up with it. And I kind of responded like, all right, well, you're a fucking asshole. I don't care. And then he responded like, oh, well, (laughs) well, you know, you're a dick. And I responded like, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. And then he responded like, how could you call me a piece of shit? I've been a fan of yours for so long. I'm offended. Motherfucker, why do you think I'm calling you a piece of shit? You're coming here and leaving shithead comments on my videos and you've done it many times. You've come around to shit on what I'm doing and act like you know better than I do about the content I'm making. That would offend anyone. You realize that content creators are just human beings. You should approach them the same way you do regular fucking people. You don't just go up to people and criticize them on whatever they're doing, right? I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you don't have any friends. Maybe people think you're an asshole in real life. I don't know. But that's how you will be perceived if that's the way you carry yourself. If your response to someone making a new thing and being excited about it and showing it to you is to say, uh, I think it sucks, that person's not going to keep showing you things. They're not going to come to you with excitement. They're not going to consider you as part of their audience. They're going to go show it to someone else who might enjoy it. If you don't like it, then maybe you could say, all right, well, you know, uh, I'm not really into this stuff. You don't have to show it to me all the time. But on YouTube, you don't even need to ask. You just, you have full control over it. Hit the unsubscribe button. If it's, if you're not enjoying it, don't watch it anymore. That simple. So yeah, of course I'm going to treat you like a dick. If you're still watching me when you're not a fan and you just complain all the time, you know, relationships change over time. Maybe you were a fan once. Cool. Thanks for the support. But if you're not like that anymore why are you around you're what do you think you get like some kind of legacy power like oh i've been around for a long time so therefore i should still be here that's stupid oh jesus fucking christ Ooh boy i don't usually try to do these when may is not around because i like to have my tarred wrangler to make sure things don't get out of control but it just so happened that right as she was going to sleep i made the mistake of going on twitter and happening to see a bunch of horse shit going on right as i was on my way to bed and the last place you want to be when the dervish gets a whirl and is in bed because you can't stop that whirl and that train of thoughts just gonna truck on and on and on along you're listening by the way to the whirling dervish podcast that did not have an introduction this episode because I went for 45 minutes about fucking Psy and now I've got to go 45 fucking minutes about everyone else who 
is on my Twitter, my own friends, people I respect and like on my Twitter timeline. Because I went on Twitter, and the first two things I see are Zen Huxtable saying, ha 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 ha, look at this idiot, and reposting an Elon Musk tweet, which is fine, no big deal. But right under that is Pedantic Romantic who is not only upset at this tweet, but is using it as a platform to then bring up all the other problems that she has with Elon Musk about public fucking transit that has nothing to do with this. And what is Elon Musk's tweet that is so idiotic that it's the number one trending fucking topic with 15,000 tweets? It's him saying, I don't think artists should be credited at all on Twitter because it's so easy to figure out who did it, and it's ruining the medium. Weird take. Definitely a weird take. But people are making it out like this man just stabbed a fucking child. People are in a huge tizzy all over Twitter, talking about the wrong think of this man, of how he's, he's spreading this idea that is toxic and he's influential. What if other people start believing that you shouldn't credit artists on Twitter because Elon Musk said this incredibly weird thing in the middle of a threaded fucking tweet chain that nobody in the goddamn world would have ever seen if nobody made a deal out of it? What caused this was that he posted an uncredited art of 2B from Near Automata and then defended the fact that he had not credited the artist. Now look, I am all for crediting artists. I am big into crediting artists. I like to promote artists. It's something that I like to do with my platform. However, I cannot fathom the idea of considering it a moral crime to not credit an artist because, and I know that you might have a, a trouble wrapping your head around this, but I want you to think about it logically for one second. There is no way, unless you are claiming that you created the art yourself, that you posting uncredited art would hurt an artist's career. It's not possible how could it happen you tell me how you posting someone's art and not mentioning who made it is going to do anything harmful to their career unless you literally claim that you made it and in this case obviously elon musk didn't make this art he just posted a picture of 2b and said 2b we know he's not an artist we know he didn't create it the only thing that could happen to this person's career would be positive, would be that, as was the case, someone else credited the artist in the thread, or if enough people were curious to actually reverse image search it on Google, some of them may have discovered the artist. But there is no circumstance in which this would have diminished the artist's findability in any way. There is no possible way for this to hurt them. And yeah, I still think it's kind of a, you know, you could say it's a dick move. I don't even think it's a dick move. I don't think it has any negative consequences. It's just something people do. You just post art. People post shit all the fucking time. It's no big fucking deal. It doesn't hurt anybody. In fact, it can be helpful even without creditation. But... I'm not defending not crediting stuff. I'm just saying it's not a fucking moral question. It's not a fucking big deal at all. 
it would be preferred if Elon Musk did it because, sure, that artist would probably get a lot of fucking clicks. But they're still going to get more clicks than the none that they would be getting additionally if he didn't post it at all. There is no way that him posting it can take away clicks from this artist. It can, at worst, give them some clicks. So I do not fathom this argument that it is somehow morally unjust to post an uncredited piece of art. Now, the argument that nobody should credit art is a little goofy. I get where Elon's coming from in an aesthetic sense, and also in the sense of when he followed this up by saying that no one should be credited for anything ever, that was where I really started to kind of get where he was coming from with this. It's kind of like the mindset of 4chan where everybody is anonymous and you're supposed to stand on the strength of your work, like the work is supposed to stand for itself. You know, in a perfect society where there was no need for anybody to make money, you know, in this in this non-capitalistic society that most of the people who are arguing against his point would want... I think we would all agree that, you know, that thing that the only reason you would ever get credit for anything if you didn't need money was just for clout. And I don't know if that's something that we necessarily celebrate is people who are clout chasing, you know, on, on the basis of their art, who, who are just literally seeking attention as opposed to creating something for the benefit of the people who are going to consume it. Obviously, this is not functional within the system we currently have, but if we're talking about you know, idealism, then I get where Elon's coming from. This is why it's more interesting to have a discussion about the thing that he said, as opposed to jumping down his throat and saying that he's a monster for expressing some uh, controversial opinion. It's an opinion, by the way, that has no effect on anybody. Even if other people were to come to agree with his opinion because he said it, you can always argue with those people. You can always continue to have this discussion. It's not something that needs to be corrected or rooted out that he said something that most people disagree with. It's an opinion. He has a justification for it. You can disagree with that justification, but it doesn't make it wrong. And this is what disgusts me about when this happens on Twitter over and over and over again. And the only reason I'm not having this discussion on Twitter right now is that I want to go on about this. I want to make my whole point clear, and I don't want to talk about it in the heat of the moment because already just a couple of snarky tweets I've made have led to a huge amount of response from people going, yeah, but – because all, all I did was say like that, you know, oh, someone famous said something wrong on the internet. We're bored as shit, so let's jump down his throat. And people are like, yeah, but Elon deserved it for this. I'm not going to have that conversation on Twitter. I am not going to invite that drama onto myself for no reason. There's no reason for me to embroil myself in yet another Twitter drama for no fucking reason other than that I read some stuff that made me upset and, you know, now I have to be fucking in a, in a social fucking game because of it. That's what I, again, this is what I can't stand. You can't just say something anymore. You can't just say something you feel. You can't just have an opinion because people don't treat it as a conversation piece. They treat it as a moral judgment of your character. 
you know, I could go out and say, like, oh, I think that this show looks bad, that a lot of people think looks good, and suddenly I'm, like, an asshole because I think a show looks bad. It has no bearing on anyone whatsoever that I think that. It doesn't affect your opinion. It doesn't affect your ability to believe the thing that you believe for me to believe what I believe. It does not affect... Your opinion that artists should be credited for Elon to have the opposite opinion. You just go along crediting artists as you know you should and leave him to his non-crediting bullshit because, again, it doesn't have any effect on you or the artist. Meanwhile, Pedro's over here trying to tie in this public transit argument, talking about how America's public transit is so bad, and we need more funding for public transit. You can't just throw money at public transit and make it work. The problem is that the cities are built wrong, that our cities are too spread out. You can't just... You can't just suddenly throw a train onto a town and expect it to make sense. It's... There's stuff in the way. You have to restructure the whole thing. It would be a gigantic, expensive project. And yes, you actually have to think about how much benefit there would be to it in comparison to how much it would cost. A conversation that I'm interested in having, maybe it would be worth it. Maybe it wouldn't. It's not obvious. It's not clear cut. Elon Musk clearly has an opinion of what he thinks the results would be. But that's not an obviously wrong or right opinion. It's something to have a conversation about, as it always fucking is. Just to be clear, I don't give a shit about Elon Musk. I don't care about his opinions. I don't care about what he does. I'm not interested in Tesla. I'm not interested. The the only thing he's ever done that I appreciate is the time he smoked a blunt on Joe Rogan because it was fucking hilarious. The fact that he has such a a robotic, weird, autistic demeanor is really fun to, to watch. But otherwise, I don't care about him at all. I'm just sick of this. I'm sick of this being the culture of Twitter is let's... Find something someone said that we disagree with and dogpile on them because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Because there's nothing better to do. Someone said something wrong, guys. Let's make a huge deal out of it. Let's make a huge deal. Oh, but, you know, his wrong opinion is representative of other people having that opinion. Who gives a shit? Who gives a fuck that there's people with opinions you disagree with out in the world? Are they affecting policy? Are they affecting you on a meaningful level? Like, I understand if artists want to get mad about this, but even then, it's a self-serving argument. It's artists mad that they're not getting credited for something that, by the way, the ability for them to make a profit off of something like a picture of Doobie is to be is very dubious the person who drew this fan art probably did not credit the character designer of to be when they fucking posted it in the first place i'm sure they didn't get permission from platinum games to use their ip i'm sure that they are not fucking allowed to be selling this fan art in any capacity and they're lucky that they can get away with it Because if you were drawing Disney characters and selling them, they for sure would be on your ass. You are lucky that you have the ability to make money off of fan art. 
And when I say lucky, I mean because the IP holders can't afford to pursue their intellectual property as thoroughly as a company like Disney can. Lucky that you just happen to not be in the purview of the law. You know, lucky that people are willing to spend money on derivative content that you don't own the intellectual property rights to. So, you know, maybe... Maybe count your blessings before you start bitching about the fact that somebody posted your art. That one of the most famous, now, not to say that this artist complained or anything, not that I know of, but you know, that one of the most famous people in the world posted this art and that it's going to be in front of the eyes of hundreds of thousands of people, many of whom have the ability to seek out what the original artist was. And sure, again, if he credited, there'd be way more. Way more attention would be a good thing to do. It would be the nice thing to do. But it's not morally right. This shit fucking drives me insane. I'm done. Thought I'd be going to bed after that last section, but I wasn't as tired as I thought. So, as I laid there trying to get back to sleep, I started thinking to myself, why does the dervish whirl? And what it comes down to is this push and pull. I'm always feeling in my heart, between the desire to get as far away from everyone else as possible and also to plunge right into the heart of society. I grew up following a different playbook from most people. The things that I was taught were different. I wasn't raised with a strong understanding of things like politeness, of manners, of self-control, of trying to fit in. I was encouraged to be myself more so than most people are. I was encouraged to be different. I was encouraged that the things that I came up with were good. And I was not easily convinced by social pressure to go against myself. I was not easily convinced, even when it would have been in my best interest, to consider viewpoints other than my own. And as I've grown older, I've changed massively. I like to be challenged. I like to consider other viewpoints. I want to hear something that will inform me, that will change the way I think to be even stronger, to be even better. But I'm also not easily moved. If I think I'm right, you really have to make a good argument. I'm not going to be convinced by the amount of people who disagree with me. I'm not somebody who can be bullied into changing my stance or opinion. And granted, I don't think I necessarily have any stances that are so outrageous that I should get into a crazy amount of hot water over my stances. Nor do I think you can really have a stance that is so outrageous that you can't make a career out of it. Obviously, the fact that there are white supremacists and fucking crazy alt-right people who have full careers is proof that no matter how outrageous your beliefs are, Someone is going to believe in them, enough people, in fact, that you, you could probably make some money off of it. And yes, Unless your beliefs are just totally nonsensical because your mind is, is just broken in a way that is very unique, like a schizophrenic or something. But I am not that far off. I'm not that against the grain. Just enough that there will be a lot of backlash to the things I say sometimes. It's hard to predict, but 
It's not going to change the way I act because it's always been that way. It's not new for me. It is for a lot of people. When people give in to demands, it's either because they haven't dealt with something like this and it's scary for them, or it's pressure from some kind of industry. It's that they're afraid they're going to lose money for having their opinion, or a company that's in charge of them is afraid they're going to lose money. I don't have these fears. I haven't lost money from an opinion before. I think it's possible if I believed something or came to believe something that truly offended enough of my fans. I don't think that'll happen because I think I like to think I'm a rational enough person that I don't have any crazy out there beliefs. But, you know, I I think that it's hard for me to imagine a situation in which I was going to say something and a few thousand people were going to bully me into reconsidering the stance unless they could put up an argument that actually made me logically disagree with myself. So that's a hard place to be in the internet age, particularly on social media like Twitter, because the way things are right now, people are acting as a wave. People are developing consensus and enacting it. People are deciding that if you're not with us, you're against us. If you don't believe the opinion we've all decided is correct, you are bad. And really, it's not that different from how it is offline. I mean, I've been bullied for having out there opinions my entire life. It's just weird because the internet was originally a place to escape that. And now it's just become the same thing. The very same people who ran to the internet because their opinions were alternative are now trying to force their opinions onto the alternative voices that are on the internet because they see themselves as not alternative, but just correct. They just see themselves as people who had to run to the internet for refuge because most people are stupid, because most of the people around them just don't get it. So they came to the internet to find people who get it and to root out the people who don't get it from their place. But, you know, they've missed the point. They've missed the point that everybody here is somebody who feels something different and that we're here to have conversations about those different feelings. We're here to come to terms with it. We're here to try to reach an understanding with each other. That's what the internet exists for. It's not here for us to decide a global moral code that we're going to enact on everyone from now on. It's here for us to have conversations about the differences in our opinions and viewpoints and see if we can come to an understanding about them. See if we can draw up compromises or see if we can you know, create a world that reflects the most people's needs. And a lot of people don't understand their needs. It's not like I'm saying we should be, you know, listen to everyone and consider their opinion of equal worth. No, it's conversation. Some people need to be convinced otherwise. But you don't get that convincing through shaming. You don't get it through trying to bully them with a massive number of people because some of us get empowered by that. Some of us see a huge army coming towards us and think, oh, I'm King Leonidas. I'm going to die on this hill. But you guys don't have weapons. You can't just make me dead. So I'll be here forever. Building. Getting stronger. Finding others. Until the day that one of you murders me. Or whoever, you know, not me specifically, but, 
You understand what I'm saying. Please don't murder me. Anyway, living in a world like this and having so many off-kilter opinions that even the people who are close to you, even the people who you mostly agree on, you disagree on enough things that it can be frustrating to be around them. And it's not that I'm somebody who gets mad at other people for just thinking differently from myself, but it's more the cadence of living. It's the way that people interact, the ways that people think it's okay to act and to be that can be draining. It's that even my friends, even people I respect and who respect me, I can be around them for a while, but it's draining because there's so much difference. There's so much variance. There's so much communication that falls through the gaps. And I'm very attentive to that kind of thing. And it's hard for me to let it slide. It's easier with certain people. There are certain people who are good at letting things slide. And I can deal with those people the most easily. But it's not, it's not necessarily common. And everybody has something in their rhythm that is exhausting to me. So I'd prefer to be alone. Until I found May. And she's somebody who is similar enough to me in what we, you know, what we want our daily life cadence to be that they've sort of synchronized, you know, we've both gained and lost elements. There are things that we don't do. There's elements of ourselves that have fallen by the wayside because we prefer what we've replaced it with. And it's not that neither of us could ever exhaust one another. We spend some time apart, you know, if she wants to go draw and I want to play video games or something. You know, it's not as though we're always doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. We just usually are because it's not exhausting. It's empowering to feel that somebody else is so close, that somebody can have such a similar cadence or can get even 80% out of the things that you get 100% out of, if you understand what I mean. And considering that I'm not at 100% even most of the time, having somebody else there means that the percentages are going up a lot of the time. This metaphor is getting confusing, but I hope I hope you follow. So, you know, there's some people I'm excited to be around, but they're not many. Most people are exhausting, and the more time I spend around them, the more exhausting they become. Yet, you can't get anywhere without people. You can't there's nothing to do by yourself other than consume and create. Consume and create. And the consumption is all the product of people. And the only things that people are going to create are things that they're interested in, that reflect themselves. And that too can be exhausting because it's, it's them. It's got as many of their exhausting properties as they do. Now, some people seek to excise as much of that as possible. They try to create only a product that is going to represent their best self. Only a product that is, you know, carefully thought out, that is intended to give you just the best things you want from them and to, to cut out as much of the bullshit as possible. And that's lovely. Those people can't put out stuff that frequently. You have a lot of time. More likely, if you want to fill all that time, you're going to consume a lot more of those people. You're going to start getting the stuff that isn't quite hitting you the right way. The stuff that might be a little bit frustrating. 
This is where you find yourself on Twitter. If you really need to fill your time, if you really don't have enough stuff to fill your day, then you get to enjoy what is probably the closest thing to an unfiltered representation of the worst things about people and creators you like possible. Because nobody preserves their best self on Twitter. Everybody presents their worst self on Twitter, myself included. We present the most simplified, asinine, nothing on Twitter is ever going to be something that was good enough to be greater than Twitter, and therefore nothing great will ever be posted on Twitter. You understand what I'm saying? Unless you happen to have something great that is just the size of a tweet, and it's very rare that you get that. So if you're on Twitter, it's because you need more humanity to fill the void, to fill time, but you're going to get all that exhausting shit. And for me, I want to run away a lot of the time. I've quit Twitter many times. I've quit the internet. I've quit different social media platforms. And I'm somebody who can spend most of my day creating. I can spend hours and hours out of a day creating, but there's a lot of hours in the day. And I could fill as much of that time as possible with just the best content, just the most filtered, the most primed, you know, playing a video game. You rarely are going to see the worst things about an artist in a video game because it's more likely to be a big collaboration between a lot of people trying to make the best product possible. If I'm playing Breath of the Wild, if I'm playing Splatoon 2, I'm not getting inundated with the worst qualities of these artists. If anything, I've paired almost all of that back. And it's a lovely time. I can only spend so much time consuming that art and creating my own art. There's other time in the day. There are gaps to be filled. And inevitably, I have to seek people to fill those gaps. And if you're like me, and there's basically no one who doesn't have some trait that's going to irritate you or who isn't reacting to or participating in something that irritates you because they are much more involved with humanity than you are, you're going to see some shit that fucking pisses you off. And if you're like me, and when something pisses you off, you start thinking about it, and your mind goes into a tangent, and you start trying to deconstruct it and figure out why this thing pisses you off, what is the mechanism, what does it say about society, what does it say about the people around you, what does it say about you, that this is making you so mad... When that happens, that is the whirling dervish. That is the moment when the brain won't stop spinning. And when humanity seems like the worst thing in the world. But it's not. Because all the things I like come from humanity. I made a song once called Humans Are Okay about this very idea. I like people for the art and food. And if I seem rude, that's because I don't know you, dude, as I say in that song. My favorite things are art and food. They come from people. All the people I follow on Twitter are people who have created art that I like. They just also are people. And I wish I could forget that sometimes. But if I forget it, I'm going to be all by myself. I'm going to be out of touch. I'm not going to have anything to talk about. And so the best way that I can participate 
without harboring any resentment, without finding myself hating people and just wishing that I wasn't there, is to let it out. I have to confront you all with it. Because if I don't confront you with it, I will harbor the resentment. And I've done it many times. I've fucked up friendships over the fact that I will have a problem with something and I just stew on it. I just keep thinking about it. I just keep getting more angry and the the dervish keeps whirling until it comes out in a concentrated burst because I never said anything. So I'd rather just say it up front, get it right out, let you know that, you know, I have something driving me insane about humanity today so that I can keep participating in humanity because otherwise I will run away. And this is the only way I can stick around and deal with it. Wow, Pedantic Romantic is going to get called out twice in this episode for being possibly the most obnoxious Twitter account that I still follow for some reason. And uh, don't get me wrong, it's not a knock against any person that I unfollow them. I unfollowed my own mom on Facebook for using the same kind of tactics in discussion, of discourse, that I'm hearing here. Because everybody has decided to be as unreasonable and as extreme as possible at all times in order to get their point across, making them all come off as completely retarded. And so here's the latest example of that. Here's Pedantic Romantic saying this of transphobia. She says, this was posted in a Discord server I'm in. I don't know how else to say it. People fantasize about committing violence against us using this term, even people who aren't part of mimetic online culture. When we say trap reinforces deadly ideas, we mean it. Now here's the thing. Yeah, some people are using the word trap, and they're using it uh, to ex- you know, express their offense towards other people. They think that a trap is someone that they want to be violent towards. But the fact of the matter is... Uh, not everyone feels that way, and it should be taken on a case-by-case basis. It's a word that can be offensive in some context coming from some people and can be used in other ways by other people, just like every other word. And if we're going to start getting into this argument, I really want to hear these people come hard against religion. I really think that if you're expressing an opinion like this, if you're against the word trap because you think that it can promote violence in some way, you better be coming very hard against all religions, especially the violent ones. Because you can say, oh, well, there are some people who practice the religion who aren't violent. It's not that the religion is inherently violent, except that, you know, propagating this religion that some people take in a violent way is going to do the exact same thing as this right if we're following this train of logic or maybe we should just take people as individuals and judge them based on what they mean when they say something if you use the word trap because you think it's fun you think that it's empowering in some way maybe it helped you to come to terms with your own sexuality in some fashion then you should be able to use the fucking word And if you're using it to be an offensive jackass, well then, you are an offensive jackass. It's not the word's fault, it's the person's fault. Can we please just stop trying to group everything together in these extremes? And then, of course, I had read that tweet while I was at Target and gotten mad just on the basis of this idea that propagating this word is somehow... What was the word that she used? 
reinforcing deadly ideas, that using the word trap is reinforcing people who want to hurt people who they consider traps, even though you can just as easily be using the word. I mean, that's like saying, like, the word gay would do the same thing. Like, there are people who say, oh, a gay? Yeah, I'll kill a gay. You know, like, what the fuck is the difference between that and trap in this instance? But anyways, this is the actual quote from the Discord that was being mentioned, which I didn't read till later. Um, it says, my best friend who doesn't use the internet at all pretty much described what he would do to a trap if she convinced him to have sex with her only for him to find out she has a dick. Now, first of all, I don't know, based on this statement, whether or not this person actually used the word trap at all. They said he described what he would do to a trap in quotations. Uh, he Well, pretty much described what he would do to a trap, which does not say to me, oh, this is what I'd do to a trap, is how he breached this subject. It sounds like this person asked him, what would you do if you were about to have sex with someone and it turned out they had a dick? Which, in this person's mind, probably sounds like a totally absurd scenario because it's not very likely to happen to you. Um, you, you for, for what it's worth, you probably should communicate to someone what genitals you have before you have intercourse with them. I think that would be a just a nice thing to do, you know? If it's like, hey, just are we clear that, um, you know, I know that I am a, I'm a, I'm a woman – I identify as a woman, I am communicating and acting that way, but just so you know, just to be clear, I do have a penis. Is that going to affect things before we progress? Just might be a a courteous thing to bring up if you're not sure if this person is attracted to penises before you have sex with them. Just saying. So we've got a kind of absurd scenario being proposed to this person, and here's how he responds. He said he would hit her so hard with a baseball bat that she'll identify herself sexually as disabled. That is fucking hilarious. If you don't think that's funny, it's because you're taking it seriously, and it's clearly not meant to be serious because it is a joke. It is framed as a joke. I'll hit that bitch so hard she'll identify as disabled. Come on! Like, you can't be taking that seriously. You can't think... First of all, this person's never going to be in this scenario. So wipe that out of your head right now. This guy is not going around thinking about how he's going to beat up transsexuals with a baseball bat. This is just a guy who has proposed an absurd scenario and came up with an absurd joke In response, that is so plainly obvious that you would have to be massively fucking retarded to not understand that. How fucking retarded are you? Or are you just trying to be angry? Are you just trying to force your point through by being offended? By being upset that somebody said something that sounds, oh, this is violence against trans. This is absurd. This is a joke. This person probably doesn't even really have a problem with trans people. I would be shocked if someone made this goofy of a reply to this absurd of a scenario and expected to be taken seriously in any way. Plus, this guy said he's talking to his best friend. So, I don't know if this guy just doesn't know his supposed best friend very well, but this is the kind of joke that you would make in the comfort of talking to somebody who you who you know, who you feel you can say something more offensive, you know, something that's funny, because it is funny 
he probably would not post this joke on the internet because he knows that not everybody's going to see the humor in it. But maybe he thought his friend would. And now his friend is going out and putting his own best friend on blast. What the fuck kind of friend are you? What the fuck is up with this? This is completely fucking insane. This is the most retarded shit I've seen on Twitter all day. And that is, uh, that is a tall fucking order. I gotta tell you. What the fuck, Pedro? Stop with this. This is ridiculous. This doesn't help your angle. This doesn't help your position. It doesn't make you look like you make more sense. And you get the responses. The responses to this fucking tweet. Uh, rule one of gaslighting is to paint the victim as a predator. Trap can never be anything but that. This is so fucking gross. That's a big fucking yikes from me. Wow, that person is not good at picking friends. Guys, you're preaching to the choir. You are all circle jerking how offended you can be about your victimhood, about how the world is fucking out to get you, and not appreciating what is directly in front of your face. Like actually analyzing the scenario and thinking about what it means in context, what is going on here. Just think about it for one second and realize that everyone else from looking at this thinks you're stupid. Everyone else is looking at this and saying, wow, you're offended about that? What are you, retarded? And you are all reinforcing each other, causing you to not recognize that. Because you all think, oh, we're all, we're all fucking, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Oh, I'm offended too. Yeah, I'm offended. Oh, I'm so fucking offended, dude. I'm more offended than anybody. You all look stupid. You are hurting your case. Stop. YouTube is a fucking piece of shit that breaks in a new way every day. It pisses me off. It's so fucking bad. I hate that I have to have a career here because it's the only algorithm that can promote independent content even to a slight amount. And I fucking hate it because I uploaded a video like 20 times today and every single fucking time it said it couldn't be processed until I cut it down to 720p and then it Made the last eight minutes frozen. What the fuck is that? What is... What? This is completely new. Totally new. I'm so fucking mad. And sad. I'm sad. I feel bad about... I I can't believe I'm gonna say this. This is the last words I thought would ever come out of my mouth. I feel bad about the fact that I shit on Vic Mignona over the me too thing you know because i was i was pretty convinced not on the basis of the stories coming out just because i don't like vic mignona and i'd been hearing about it for such a long time and it just seems so believable the guy's got a fan base of largely underage girls he has a fan club who he gives his personal phone number to you know he's he just it just seems it seems right but then I was always expecting a story to come forward that he fucked someone underage. I was just, that's what I thought for sure would happen if this was all real and true. And it didn't. It hasn't, anyway. And then, the more that you find out that this person's story was fake, or this person's full of shit, or this, and then you look at it and you go, okay, well, where's even, where's even a believable source for any of this? And now Max Landis is under the fucking bus on Twitter. And I I know Max Landis didn't fucking do shit. Are you kidding me? 
Do you follow Max Landis? Have you ever listened to the guy? Like, I mean, he'd have to be, I guess he'd have to be a real fucking master manipulator to have pulled the wool over everyone's eyes, even me, even his fans, even people who watch him on YouTube. But, like, he's told stories plenty of times before about the way that this strange reputation is following him. My favorite story being one where he was at a party and a girl was telling everyone about something Max Landis had done to her, not realizing that he was there. And then he announced, I am Max Landis. Mike dropped and left, leaving everyone stunned. Um, I mean... Uh, I guess that could be a fake story, but but it just seems it seems more likely to me that it's true. It seems more likely to me that you know suddenly eight women coming forward with a, the same story all at once is a little suspicious. And then I'm on Twitter looking at the hashtag or whatever, looking at the you know the trending topic of Max Landis, and I see some tweet from someone who's like. Oh yeah, man, that guy's a real sociopath. He he told me to draw a comic for him for no pay, saying that I should be glad for the exposure. What a creep. There's no fucking way that happened. There is just no fucking way that that's a true story. That is such horse shit, it's unbelievable. The man works in the comic industry. He writes comics that are professionally published. Why would he do that? This is so fucking asinine. And again, like I said in the last segment, it just hurts your case. All the lies, all the slander, all the extremifying things for the sake of getting what you want. It just makes you look stupid. It just makes the people who feel the opposite of you feel way more extreme about it. It just makes regular people upset at you. For no reason. I'm going to lose my mind if I spend too much time on the internet. And the only thing that will make that worthwhile is if I can turn it into delightful content on this podcast. I hope that this podcast doesn't ever become too depressing. I hope that you can wield this as a sword if you feel the way I do. And I know a lot of people listening to this won't even feel the way I do. I know a lot of them will be on the opposite side of me on a lot of these issues. And I just want you to know, I just want you to think through your position before you take it. I want you to really just consider the implications of what you're doing and really make sure you know that you're really confident that you are on the, on the right side of what you're doing because it wounds me. To see these kinds of things. I'm a fan of Max Landis. I haven't even seen any of his movies. I don't care about his screenwriting. I am a fan of him as a YouTuber. He's made a lot of great videos. A lot of great very personal blogs and posts. He's somebody who's been extremely upfront and intimate about what his life is like. And, you know, I just, I can't imagine that he is responsible for the things that he's being accused of. And, you know, maybe that's naive of me in your opinion, but I don't really give a shit what you think because obviously I am confident in my own opinion. 
So, you know, just, I just, pisses me off. And I hope he can make it through that. My, my heart goes out to Max for, for this. Cause it's just, I mean, if he did something wrong, I hope that it comes to light and that he, you know, is held accountable, but, uh, I'm going to need to see some real fucking proof. That's it for this episode of the Whirling Dervish podcast. I whirled. I dervished. Things went crazy. Pantsu's here. What do you think? How do, how do you feel about this? Godspeed. God. The mob is going to come after you. What, what should I expect? Well, you should just expect people to be mad at you. Should I expect... Should I be ready for rape allegations? No. Okay. That's, that's good, at least. All right, you've listened to the Whirling Dervish podcast. Go fuck yourself. This morning on the wrong side of my life Head hung low in mourning for the dead dreams left behind Older, always older, always older till I die When the quiet comes at least I'll hear no cry See no evil, speak no lie Every piece of technology thinks I'm retarded and treats me like a piece of shit Incomplete plastic hunks that my entire livelihood has been built around Telling me that something is 95% done for 95% of its loading time and then breaking I want to burn this nightmare shit stuff to the goddamn fucking ground The petty idealism that lets you sleep at night makes me want to claw your fucking throat out My life would be measurably improved if most of you died, but made worse if I killed you, so I'm becoming religious to have something to pray to for your demise. I sincerely hope that it works, because I'm sure it'll be better you than I. Every time I turn my fucking head, another bill has landed on my desk, another bug is crawling under it, and the scent of my shirt makes me realize I've been too busy or distracted to shower in three days that felt like three hours, and another good person has been burned at the stake because the worst monsters are the people who think they're doing something righteous, and that the other guys are wrong. If you're violent, you're wrong. If you're hateful, you're wrong. You are wrong, you are wrong, you are wrong I woke up this morning on the wrong side of my life Head hung low in mourning for the dead dreams left behind Older, always older, always older till I die When the quiet comes, at least I'll hear no cry See no evils I've been no on lie. the wrong side of the gun since 1991 No fun, never the one you called on I've related to nothing and no one for so long It's hard to believe that I'm someone I found another who was close enough Now I give a major fuck Just enough that when she dies I'm going to be dangerous To myself and others Make no mistake when I break There will be sparks you see from outer space That's what it takes to be a lover Lucky I have a mother And a girl who's gonna be another The girls are all the things that keep me covered So why don't boil over from the fire that can't be smothered Cause if I have my druthers I pop the fuck off every time that I was shaking Like it's a celebration I painstakingly recreate a Playstation scene From Tekken 3 Take martial law into my fists of fury Bitch your ass like Bruce Lee I can't control them 
manic energy when it's flowing freely gotta be me gotta see through to the end gotta get a little bit bent cause that's the only way i can straighten your face out i woke up this morning on the wrong side of my life head hung low in mourning for the dead dreams left behind Older, always older, always older till I die. When the quiet comes, at least I'll hear no cry. See no evil, speak no lie. I woke up this morning on the wrong side of my life. Head hung low in mourning for the dead dreams left behind. Older, always older, always older till I die. When the quiet comes, at least I'll hear no cry. See no evil, speak no lie.